lots going on and lots going on in the crime uh, area, which is what we kind of dig into at this time on Thursdays with our friend John Reed, president of the Toronto Police Association. Great to have you back, John. Good morning, Alex. Thank you for having me. There's so much going on. I wanted to dig into this, and I know we uh, sent this over to you, but there's this um, viral video that went out on TikTok that is getting a lot of attention. The Toronto police say they are looking into it, but this is a woman who claims she called for help because a suspicious person, I guess, was lurking around. She felt that that person was breaking into her home. She says she told, uh, tried to call the police, and they told her to call the mayor. Here's just a sample of, of some of the stuff she put out onto the Internet. So this officer, I'm not going to expose him, but this officer told me to call the mayor because we're low on staff and it's the mayor's fault that they can't accommodate to us. The cop is like, because the intruder didn't stab or shoot you, you're not considered a priority. So I have to let him stab the out of me or shoot my brains out in order for the police to come to my house to protect my family's safety. I'm livid. Yeah, she made it clear there were a lot of F-bombs in, in her um, her rant. What is the reaction? What, what's your first thought? Is this something that could happen? Is there some work to rule that we don't know about with police? No, there's, there's no work to rule. Uh, no, the reality with this, the incident itself is going to be looked at by the service, and they'll determine yeah. what, if anything, uh, was said in, uh, inappropriately. Uh, but I think you have to look at the larger picture here. Um, you know, our com- communications operators did an excellent job. They allocated the call appropriately. Um, but it does bring, um, you know, the, the serious staffing issues that we're, we currently have here in the city of Toronto. You know, uh, the problem with policing these days is not a job where it was 30 years ago where everyone wanted to be a police officer. And staffing and recruiting are one of the issues. And I think we're actually losing a lot of police officers now as well, especially as we're kind of going out uh, out of COVID. Yeah, I mean, look, it'll be easy enough to track down the the officer. Uh, what uh, you know, dis- detaches happened because apparently she tried to follow up. She even went to the station. So I suspect we will uh, probably get some answers sooner than later. I think the concern, though, is what happens when I call the police. Is, is this what I will be met with? I mean, I don't know. This could be some rogue officer who said it. It actually may not have happened. Again, we don't actually know what happened. It's a kind of a in, in the investigative phase. But I think most people would look at this certainly say, John, um, if I call the cops. Am I going to get help? So, so the answer to that is yes. You know, we have a, the 911 process uh, is there. It's been in place for many, many years. Our members are out there doing the job each and every day. Um, you know, are there sometimes some shortfalls? Uh, yes, because sometimes we do end up getting, and we have no control of it, uh, a large number of 911 calls during a, a, a shorter period of time. And during that time, there's only so many officers to answer so many calls. You know, so at that point, we have to start triaging the calls and answering the most urgent ones at the time. And that's a job for the uh, communication operators, which they do a great job at. Yeah, the problem is you're in a climate where you've got a lot of uh, activists saying cut the uh, budget, and then you got a mayor with a city on fire with a lot of violence who uh, I don't think uh, really knows what to do. But but again, we got lots of violence, and, and if officers can't actually respond to these, the public's not going to have a lot of tolerance for it, including those, I think, John, who say, you know, get rid of cops, because generally cops are the first people they call when they're in trouble. Well, and you're absolutely right. And, you know, the mayor has been very supportive of, uh, you know, increasing the police budget in the last uh, budget cycle we had. And we are in the mm-hmm. process of right now. Um, you know, police officers, we probably are going to undergo the largest hiring uh, spree we have in quite a few years. But this, once again, does underscore the problem sometimes with policing where we end up 
uh, undergoing cycles of hiring where we hire yeah. a massive period of time and then we don't. So we end up with a large number of officers retiring over a particular time as well. Then all of a sudden nobody retires. So we need to have more consistent hiring as well. But, but in answer to your other question, our members, if people are calling 911, our members will come and do their job. All right, so we'll uh, wait kind of for the findings on that particular issue. There's so much stuff going on that that, uh, that happened in the crime area. Obviously, you've been following, um, you know, TDSB having these emergency meetings to deal with the ongoing violence. We got a report out of one school that has been making a lot of headlines, and some of the reporting is just stunning. You've got kids riding scooters down the hallway. You've got hit lists for targeting teachers, jumping them. You've got teachers who are terrified to teach. You've got kids who are terrified to go to school. One of the main themes continues to be, John, that officers in the school is not an option that they are looking for. And, you know, I covered the Jordan Manor's murder. I covered the trial. And, and I covered the aftermath of, of the recommendations that at that time were, were put into place. And it's interesting because Laureen Small, whose child was killed, you know, she sees this program as a legacy of her child. And so she's really, frankly, I think, frustrated with where it's gone. Having said that, is this now so politically charged that we can't actually get a solution? Because I'm not suggesting we need to arm schools. Well, I don't think anyone wants to see a wall of officers. But that wasn't what the program was about. But it is how it is characterized. It, once again, you're right. And it is characterized that way. And that's not actually the way it actually works. You know, we have officers that may not be assigned to a, a single school. They may actually be assigned to three or four schools. But the whole goal here is to get these officers into the schools, interacting with the students, assisting the students as well, working with the students and the staff to build the relationships that will hopefully protect those students. And if there is some kind of an incident or a concern, that somebody will pass that information along to the officer and or the staff, and then the officer will get it. So we can actually deal with it at the front end instead of mm -hmm. our officers up with these scenes and dealing with these young uh, uh, young, young people who've been shot, stabbed, or injured. Do you see this moving? I mean, some things cannot just be addressed with, you know, let's talk about it. There are some instances, and I, seem, I seem to think that we're at that temperature now, that you actually have to have authority come in just to almost recalibrate and say, look, we're not, we're not mucking around anymore. This stops now. I mean, I, I, are we at that point? We're past I, I, I think I, I think people have to look at it. Um, from the point, uh, from a common sense point of view, you know, the reality is we have young What's people. That? Oh, common sense. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> well, that? Uh, common sense doesn't seem so common anymore, but we need mm -hmm. people that you look at go, what is the price? Um, if they're willing to put a price on our, our youth safety in schools, what drives a child to bring a firearm or a gun to school? Is it because they're feeling unsafe? Mm -hmm. Th these yeah. are the questions that. Yes, and how do we make them feel safe? Yeah, I mean, look, I go through Julian Falkner's report back in the day when he did it, and in this reporting that he did back in the day with weapons in schools, sex assaults, uh, drug, uh, you know, going back and forth. The violence then was astronomical, so I, I imagine it's probably a lot worse now. Well, look, this will be a debate we'll continue talking about, I think, for the next little while. Uh, the other big, big, big story uh, happened on Monday, which seems like an eternity at this point, but 62 guns destined... Uh, for the streets of Toronto, seized by border services. Uh, 57 of them were absolutely from the uh, the U.S. One was stolen from a gun owner, and they couldn't locate or um, ID for others. Having said that, it'll put a dent in crime. It certainly won't stop it. But the big message from Chief Raymer was, you got to change bail and sentencing. 
period. And it continually gets ignored. In fact, I mean, the federal government right now is just tinkering around with trying to ban hunting rifles and all the rest of those games that they're playing. But these me- it's not being met with action. Hey, Alex, you're 100% right. And you and I have talked about this before. And see, once again, as you pointed out, these guns are coming from the U.S. There's no argument about it. It's happening. We need to end up putting some more investment in the Canada Border Services, amendments to the criminal code. We've heard both the chief, myself, uh, the mayor have talked about changing the bail conditions and uh, the standard for bail. We have to do something because what we're doing is not working. And these individuals are are just continually going out, bringing these firearms into Canada, Toronto and our youth are mm-hmm. being killed. Yeah. And, and to punctuate, I mean, this was an eight month investigation. So it's not like they just found a car full of guns. This was eight months of methodical work that takes a ton of resource and it's multiple pronged because you're working with border services, you would have undercover officers. So it's not a small thing. But if you don't have the money and the resources, it can't be done. Well, that's right. And, and these are massive investigations from the point of view of logistics, the personnel yeah. involved, cost. And our, you know, our, Gunna Gang unit does an amazing job working with all these other um, areas of the government. But it's labor-intensive, manpower-intensive, and financially very expensive. But there's value in getting it done because we have to. Yeah, no question about it. Well, look, there's a lot of other stuff we could still talk about. I'm sure the headlines will fill up again when, when next we meet. But thanks a lot, John. Appreciate your time on this. Thank you very much. Have a good day. You too. That is John Reed, president of the Toronto Police Association. So again, uh, looking into a, a number of evol- you know kind of headlines that will continue to be updated as we uh, continue talking about them.